Okay, welcome Deborah to No Excuses, Real Inspiration with Scott Marshall. So welcome to the show. So thank you for giving up your, your time on this afternoon. So for the viewers, just give a brief intro of who you are and what you're currently doing just now. Okay, so my name's Deborah McCabe um, and I'm a yoga teacher. I teach seasonal vinyasa flow, mostly across gyms in Glasgow Life. And seasonal vinyasa flow is a form of yoga that is taught to respect the season of the year that we're in and adjust our energy and our yoga practice to reflect what's going on in nature and the environment because just like um, nature, we have different energy at different times of the year. So in the winter, it's natural to want to hibernate, hide under your blanket, eat your body weight and chocolate. <laughs> in the summer, we're more outgoing. In the spring, our energy is rising. And in the autumn, our energy is coming back down and we're coming back to the centre, just like the fruit falling from the trees and the leaves falling down. So, yeah, it's quite a nice philosophy um, to live your life by. Yeah, and if I can ask, you know, normally I would go back to school activities, however. But I'm just oh, that's in, the, that's in the dim and distant past. You know I'm a dinosaur, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm going to, how long have you been a yoga teacher? So I qualified, I think it was seven years ago now, and I've been doing yoga for about nine years. I came to yoga quite late in life, in my 40s, because I'd spent my entire life being um, really into high-impact exercise, you know, when it was back in the 80s and it was Jane Fonda, way before you were probably born, Scott, <laughs> um, and it was all about feel the burn, um, no pain, no gain. And then right through into the 90s, taking us into the noughties when we started to get a lot of the hip training. And then as I got older, I was getting loads of wee niggling injuries. And I went to a yoga class and I hated that because there was nobody to compete with to jump higher than or run faster right. than. And then I went to another yoga class and you'll probably know this yoga teacher, Agnes Ross. She's an older lady that teaches for Glasgow Life. And uh, yeah, teaches, uh, you'll know her. She teaches mostly in Castle Milk in Holyrood, and she's a phenomenal yoga teacher. And something just clicked. And then from there, I just thought I want to teach this. And that's what I do now. I gave up my corporate job two years ago, and I'm teaching yoga. No, fantastic. So obviously, you know, but I'm still going to talk about it. I'm still going to talk about your school years. So, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, <laughs> I when, that far back. so when you were in school, what sort of activities were you involved in? So in primary school, um, there wasn't a lot. I grew up in East End and, and the school didn't even have a gym, I don't think. I think it had a dinner hall that kind of masqueraded in a gym with uh -huh. the teachers felt like giving you PE. So it was really just kind of running around the streets as kids did in those days. You were never in. You were out all the time. If you were lucky enough with a bike or a pair of skates, you were out on your bike, your skates, to the sun rose, to the sunset. And then as I got older and got into secondary school, I was introduced into new sports. So I tried a bit of everything. Um, we had the we were lucky enough to have an international 
uh, hockey player on the um, teaching staff, one of your PE teachers, Mrs Brown, and I was very small. I'm still very small, as you know. <laughs> I was very small when I was at secondary, and Mrs Brown took a liking to me because I would try everything, and she used to call me Mighty Mouse. So tried hockey. I played on the wing. I get battered a bit more with a hockey stick than I actually uh, had any success. It was too wee for netball. And then I discovered gymnastics. And my heroes at the time were Nadia Comaneci and uh, all these kind of Russian, Eastern European yeah. gymnasts that used to you know, win all the golds at uh, the Olympics. And they were all very small and diminutive, but little pocket rockets. And I really kind of wanted to be like them. So I wasn't an actual gymnast, but I got myself there with a lot of tenacity and a lot of hard work and worked my way through my gymnastic uh, qualifications. And I just really loved it. Ah, fantastic. And on, you know, your fitness journey as a whole, have you had any challenges within that pathway? Yeah, so coming to gymnastics really late, I was probably about 13 when I started gymnastics. And as you know, you're kind of hot-housed when you're really into gymnastics. A lot of people get into it when they're really, really young, through like before. So I had a lot of ground to make up. Um, and also because I was quite diminutive, I'm, I'm an ectomorph, so I wasn't naturally easily put on muscles. And I was even skinnier then than I am now. So I had a, a lot of hard work to do to build up my strength. My flexibility I worked on really hard and, you know, to be able to do the splits and things like that. But it was a fantastic sport to be involved in, to be able to do things like, you know, your forward walkovers and, and stuff like that. But of course, like everything, you get to about the age of 15, 16 and you lose interest. So yeah, I left school. And that was me. I kind of fell away from my gymnastics journey. And then I discovered the gym. And a particular gym at the time where all the posers used to go to. It was called Browns. It was in Brown Street in the town. It was a private gym. And used to go along. And it was really much those big Jane Fonda classes. You know, glamorous girls in skimpy leotards and leggings. Jumping about you know, all the latest disco tunes and house tunes. And I just loved it. I loved the camaraderie. I loved uh, the, co the choreography. Really, really, really liked it. Oh, fantastic. And, you know, you mentioned that nine years ago, you, you, that's when you really started doing yoga. Um, okay. And then you made that decision that you wanted to become a yoga teacher. Yes. So, so what steps did you take to do that? So I didn't know that you could become a yoga teacher in Glasgow. I did a wee bit of research and I think I'd found that there was a two-year course in Edinburgh, but it was really expensive and that was going to prove really um, difficult for me. I then discovered through someone who came to the same yoga class as me that he was doing teacher training. And lo and behold, it was in Bowen Pollock Shields, a stone throw from where I lived. And that then he then introduced me to a lady called Julie Hansen who um, had the Seasonal Yoga Academy and owned the Chi Yoga Studio. And she's just an amazing lady and a lady called Sue Woods that worked with her and another lady called Mara. And I went ahead and enrolled on the course. The course took me a year. And 
throughout that year, I would go one weekend out of every month, sometimes two weekends, and we were taken through, you know, all the physical training right through to the philosophy and the, more of the spiritual stuff. I met an amazing group of people, and I was just introduced to a, another world, and I just loved it. And for the first time in my entire life, I thought, I can do this. I can actually teach this. Yeah. And I, I wanted to teach it. And that's when my plan started to formulate. It took me, obviously, until two years ago, just before the pandemic, to have the courage to leave a very well-paid, full-time job. But I don't regret the decision. It's It's been a great decision. There's days that I go to teach my class and I feel, oh, my God, I can't be bothered with this. And then I go in. I start teaching and I come out the other end absolutely yeah. transformed. And I see the smile on everybody's faces and people have came up and told me some fantastic things. Like I've got a lady in my class just now who's got an autistic son and sometimes autistic children don't sleep. And she um, emulates the yoga nidra. She just um, replicates it that I do at the end of the class. And she does that every night with her son. And our son now looks forward to yoga nidra. And for the first time, he's actually sleeping. So it can be transformative. And to be told something like that, just, you know, it makes me just really happy and grateful that I'm able to share those um, skills and tips with other people. No, definitely. And, you know, obviously yourself. So are you still teaching classes just now? Yeah. So I'm teaching across about four or five different centres and I'm doing a couple of community classes as well. I was due to start another community class in the East End at Parkhead Schoolhouse, but that's kind of been postponed at the moment. So yeah, I'm teaching teaching quite a lot just now, which I'm really enjoying. And uh, I'm, I'm getting to the stage I want to develop my business a wee bit more. So I'm going to have to create a wee bit of space in my life and my diary to take things to the next level, which is taking yoga out there to the people that need it most but often can't afford it. Yeah. So looking yeah. at ways to do that. No, totally. And, you know, obviously you mentioned maybe four or five classes a week. Um, so do you do any other uh, fitness aspects throughout the week or is it mainly yoga? It's mainly yoga I teach. I do teach armchair aerobics now on a Thursday to a group of ladies in their late 70s and 80s. And that is enormous fun. And it's not just about keeping them mobile. I mean, just really lifting their spirits, acting a bit daft in front of them and playing them a, a rocking good playlist that they that they can uh, identify with and connect yeah. with from their kind of... Uh, what, from their time in life when they were younger or whatever so yeah I do that I've not been doing as much exercise for myself because I've had that injury on my spine but now that it's starting to eventually get better I've started to incorporate a wee bit of weight training again in the morning oh, good. I was going to take on a personal trainer I'll see I'll give that another couple of months but I'm going to learn teach myself a wee bit about the macros and the micros in terms of diet you might yeah. be able to help me with that well that's uh, well that actually brings me on to my next point which so how do you handle your nutrition with a busy schedule i i could probably handle it better but i'm very much a creature of habit so i do you know how you get those annoying people that say 
I eat a lot and they're quite skinny. I'm one of those annoying people, <laughs> I've been told. But it is a family trait. I do come from a long line of skinny people. <laughs> um, <laughs> as soon as I wake up in the morning, I have my breakfast and that breakfast is quite nutritious and it'll either be two poached eggs with a bit of rye bread, a rye bread with some protein in it, or I'll make myself porridge and I'll throw in some almond nuts and I'll chop up like a pear or throw in some prunes and I'll make it with oat milk. And then I teach my first class and then I'll have another snack and I usually make that quite protein-based. And then I'll usually have something with some fats in it, like salmon and cream cheese um, for my lunch. And then you'll probably find me, depending on what day of the week it is and how much time I've got, I might eat a full chicken breast that I've for the night before. And then I'll have my, my tea again at night. So I do eat quite a lot. My yeah. downfall is, is I've got a wee bit of sweet tooth. So there is a wee bit of, depending how I'm feeling on the day and how my mood is, there will be, over Christmas, there was a lot of chocolate eating. I will admit that. Right, okay. <laughs> a few Terry's orange, chocolate oranges, the diet Scott. So that's, um, but it had to be done. It had to be done. <laughs> so if you could pick your one class of the week that's your favourite part, what would that be? Oh, it's hard to say because if anybody's listening to this, that come the classes. Or, or you could say you you can pick them all as an overall. If you know, because you really enjoy your job. Yeah, overall, you know, I, I'll say maybe the armchair aerobics. It just edges out there a wee bit more. The reason being, are these are ladies that are often widowed. We've not had uh, any kind of luck in and get, we've had one man come along, but he only came along once. I think all the ladies scared him away. <laughs> in fact, Simon came in once and they get a bit excited because they thought Simon was going to join in. Wow. And he had a pair of shorts on and that made them even more excited. <laughs> but yeah, that, um, that class is fantastic because I know that quite often those ladies, because they're widowed, in fact, they're all widowed, and they're living alone, that their lifestyles have become a bit sedentary, even more so during the lockdown. Yeah. And the good thing about it is, is actually they lift my spirits. I'm there to lift their spirits, improve their mobility and their strength and their balance. But they actually lift my spirits because they make me, they make me forget all my troubles and just kind of focus on them and make the whole class as a fun experience, as much of a fun experience as I can make it. So we do have a lot of laughs. They make me laugh a lot. Nah, fantastic. And that's therapy in itself. No, totally. And, you know, obviously we touched on the, the pandemic, Deborah. So how was that for yourself personally? It was okay. So um, I started teaching online three times a week and I made it a donation-based class. And a lot of the people that used to come to my class in Holyrood um, would log into that regularly. We'd do it on a Monday, a Wednesday, and a Friday. And it gave me something to focus on. And actually, um, I attracted quite a lot of new members as well because I put it up in the, the social isolation page. These pages sprang up all yeah. over the UK and the world, in fact, during the pandemic, and a lot of new people joined. And it was just great fun to get you know, some of the nice comments back, they really lifted my spirits, gave me something to focus on. Um, and during the pandemic, because the first lockdown, 
the weather was really good, if you remember. So it gave me the opportunity to get back on my bike spot and I had a couple of these solo trips and I cycled all the way out to the Kelpies and back. Yeah. Cycled to Edinburgh, get really badly sunburned and lost one of the days, which was quite... <laughs> I don't know how I managed to get lost, but I seemed to go in circles and eventually found a train station and could get a train back. But that was just a... You never get the time to do these things. You know, meeting other people along the way. I did the canal towpath, which is really easy to follow. And it was just fantastic. Tunes in, off I went. Ah, good. And, you know, coming out of the pandemic, are you you glad that you've got your classes back and a wee bit more? Oh, I'm delighted. I'm delighted. And I would like to build up to, so I've got eight classes, nine classes at the moment. And I'd like to build up another couple and then maybe just leave it between the, maybe between the 10 and the 13 and then look at developing these other classes which I, I envisage seeing popping up across different areas working for a number of weeks and then moving on somewhere else yeah. if I can get the business model right and the funding in place for that. Oh, fantastic and you obviously mentioned earlier you've got a sweet tooth mm. okay however what's your bad habits within health and fitness? My bad habits are um, pushing myself too far. So when I get into, would remember when Metafit was introduced? Yeah. Oh my God, I went in for it in a big way. And I was doing probably Metafit about five times a week. And at that point, there wasn't a lot going on in my life. And I was doing sometimes three classes a night. So I was in the gym pretty much. Yeah. Holyrood was my second home for a while. <laughs> um, and I think I maybe just took it a wee bit too far. Um, and probably that's where the back injury came in. Um, not realising my limits and pushing things a wee bit too far was probably a bad habit in my, my health and fitness um, journey. But no, we all learn, don't we? Not listening to my body. Yes, exactly. And, and you know, that's the one thing that we tell our customers and our clients, listen to your body. If it needs rest, rest. But then we we don't do it. <laughs> I know, because it's your livelihood, so it's quite difficult to strike yeah. that balance, but I have got much better at it. So yeah. when I need time off now, I take it off. Nah, good, definitely. Highly recommended. And if you could pick a couple of pet hates, the things that you hate to see within gyms or health and fitness, Oh, I know you may have a long list of yeah. Yeah, there's a thing that I really hate to see, and I don't do pump now because I've got an injury. But in pump classes, people with their barbell loaded up, really, really, really high. You know, that's a class with a lot of repetitions, and yeah. really, your weight shouldn't be as heavy as that. And then, obviously, you know, it affects their technique. That worries me because I did have a physio telling me that he did see a lot of injuries coming out of body pump classes yeah. because of that. My other pet he is, um, you know, a lot of ladies now want to get into using free weights in the gym, but quite often it's quite male-dominated. And you go up there and you're trying to get on, or even going on the machines, and the machines are getting hogged by a big sweaty man <laughs> or a group of big sweaty men <laughs> sorry <Scott. laughs> um, 
you know, egging each other on and it's it can be quite quite intimidating. So I'd like to see, I think we're starting to see it now, a lot more females in the weight rooms using the, the yeah. conditioning suites and doing that resistance training. Okay. And a lot older ladies as well, because obviously as a lady of a certain age, I think, um, you know, with the whole social media phenomenon and your um, your fitness instructors being all over social media and they portray a certain image, yes. which is sometimes is unattainable and quite unrealistic and sometimes is unhealthy as being underweight or overweight or unfit. I would like to see more older ladies represented across the fitness industry because I think it can be quite ageist. Yeah, definitely. Older um, gentlemen too. So talking about age, so mm-hmm. if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? That is a very bold and brave question. <laughs> I'm old enough to know better. Okay. Okay. I will be 56 this year. Wow. Okay. So if I put it in another context, how old do you feel training-wise? I feel pretty good. Um, I would say up until the injury, I would probably have put myself in my mid to late 30s training-wise. I would probably say I'm still round about there because yeah. the yoga I teach is um, a stand, uh, is vinyasa flow. So it's not sitting in postures gently and holding them for you know, a long time and breathing, there is an element of that, but there's a constant movement and there's a yeah. lot of strength based in what we do with the sun salutations or Suranamaskara A to give them their fancy name. So yeah, I feel pretty good. I would say I would probably put myself in my 40s. Mentally, I think I'm still 21 though. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So for yourself, uh, Debs, what's your favourite exercise? to do with, within yoga, we'll, we'll stick to yoga. Oh, my favourite exercise is, I love to do headstand. Okay. I just love um, the challenge and how you have to engage your core abdominals and actually overcome your fear about falling over to get your legs up there and using that those abdominals to keep yourself upright. But actually, it's a very relaxing pose once you get into it so whilst it you know it takes a bit of technique and strength and uh, balance it actually helps to calm the sympathetic nervous system ironically and it's got a whole host of uh, health benefits that I really really enjoy and it's also a wee bit of an ego pose oh look at what I can do (laughs) (laughs) and as long as you don't do it when you're drunk no don't do that (laughs) <laughs> so, if you imagine you went to a yoga class, a brand new centre or facility, and it's a brand new coach, you're going there as a participant, and the yoga coach gives you your worst exercise in yoga, what would that be? Oh, my worst exercise would be handstand. So I've not mastered handstand, whilst I've mastered headstand, I'm just not got to the stage where I can balance there for any length of time. Okay, so you do realise like any customers, clients listening to this, they're going to ask for that now. <laughs> Probably, I hope not. I'll just say, I'll just say, oh, 
later. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And if you could pick one memory from your fitness journey, your best memory, what would it be? Oh, just being in that um, that MetaFit class and being able to jump really high and, you know, keep the momentum going. Yeah. Um, being covered in sweat, but coming out the end of it and just thinking, yeah, smash that, and I feel <laughs> amazing. No. Yeah. I always remember seeing a photo of myself and I actually had wee muscly arms and a wee six-pack, and I was like, check me. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And obviously we touched on it earlier about uh, you received a compliment in some sense um, about your yoga class. Uh, with your customer that comes and she's got a autistic yeah. son. So what about other, what's your best compliment would you say you've received overall? Oh, so I was teaching um, a class of people in the East End and um, a lot of them had um, been suffering or had suffered in the past from alcohol and drug misuse. Yeah. And there was a lady who came from the same area that I grew up in and just, I wouldn't name the area, but that area is one of the most deprived areas in Scotland where male life expectancy, I think the last time I looked was 55. And uh, she wrote me a testimonial at the end of her sessions. And she just said that the whole thing had been transformative, but the thing that had made it um, accessible and transformative was me because I was just like her and I made everybody feel at ease and I came from the same area as her and I didn't make it seem like, you know, only middle-class people and people that were affluent could do yoga, that it was for everybody. And she was really, really, really good at it. And she absolutely gave herself to it. And I taught her, and she was the only person in class that could get into headstand at the end. Wow. She totally went for it. So, yeah, she, she said some really lovely things about me. And when I feel down, I quite often go back and read that testimony on it. It really lifts my spirits. No, fantastic. That's a touching moment. Yeah. So, if I could say to you, in 2022, what's, what's the one thing that you want to change about your own fitness journey? I want to get stronger. So this um, weights thing, I don't want to have to be lifting big, big, big heavy weights. Yeah. But I want to maybe firm up a wee bit and um, to improve my muscle tone and muscle mass slightly. Yeah. Um, and master the, the expertise around macros and micros and just... Tune up the diet a wee bit. No, fantastic. And get rid of that sweet tooth. <laughs> exactly. Before I need false teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and for yourself, obviously you've you've been involved with yoga for over well, we'll call it nine years because you've been going to classes but then decided to get get involved as a, an instructor. So what makes you unique to others? Gosh, that's a challenging question. I think um, my age helps. I think 
because I am nearly 56 and I'm pretty fit and kept myself pretty fit and that I didn't come to yoga until I was in my mid to late 40s. But other people find that out and they see me and they think, actually, she's, she's a good role model and if she can do it, I can do it. So I think I encourage people and I'm very approachable. I mean, I don't make it, you know, all about chanting and things like that. I make it accessible and I think that's probably my uniqueness. I'm a Ouija yoga teacher. I'm not a posh yoga teacher. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Love it. And I'm going to give you some quick fire questions. So oh. it's not just based on yoga. So mm -hmm. based on your full fitness journey. So what do you prefer, cardio or weights? Cardio. Okay, I thought you might have said weights. No, I'm moving away from that now, so you, I'm going to convince myself it will be weights, but in, up until recently, cardio. Okay, and I think I know the answer to the, the next one because you mentioned earlier about technique. So what's your take on CrossFit, yes or no? No. I think it's too um, injury prone. I've watched people and I'm like, oh my God, that's just setting people up for problems in the future. Definitely. Okay. And more problems for the future. You mentioned metafit. Burpees? Yes or no? Burpees? No, no. Too hard on the body. I think, we're, I think the fitness um, industry is moving away from high impact to not injuring people as much. And burpees not done properly, bad injuries. Yeah. And if you are weight training, what would you prefer, squat or deadlift? Squat. I think deadlift again, technique. Maybe I'm wrong. Nah, it's, it's your own preference. It's Well, what I have found that um, I was doing, I, I enjoy my weight training. Um, however, I prefer to do a leg press or a leg extension where I'm working the same muscle groups because I found um, lower back pain, especially the deadlifts and, and the squats. Plus, I've got pins and screws in my ankle, so I don't want to put that under any more stress. So mm -hmm. I'll always go to a machine now rather than mm -hmm. use uh, the platform for myself yes. personally. Yeah. And your last one, what do you prefer, running or swimming? Running. Running. I hate swimming because it makes my hair go too curly and frizzy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And for yourself, Deborah, in the next, we'll, we'll call it one to five years, where would you like to see yourself within health and fitness? So I'm going to mention a word to you that's probably not very fashionable. But I would like to see more fitness around menopausal women because it's a stage in women's life that has been hidden away and women's bodies change. And for me, I would like to be that um, menopausal advocate and role model that it might be a change in your life, but it's a transition and it can be a positive transition and a time of growth. So let's look at it like that and move away from those horrible patriarchal um, paradigms that have surrounded uh, the menopause 
and the detrimental way it's been spoken about and how women of a certain age have been spoken about. We have got a lot to give and a lot to offer and we've got a lot to bring to the table and society and I want to see more female role models in their 50s, 60s and 70s like Lee Joan on Instagram. I don't know if you follow her. Uh, no. Have a look. This is a lady that's nearly 18 taking up weight training and fitness in her 70s and it's been transformative in her life. Oh, fantastic. So I want to see more of that. I want to see more older ladies in the gym. Okay, you, I'm pretty sure um, you can lead the line for that. You can, uh, you can be in the front. I'm sure you can create your own party and get, get that on into Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit so foxy now, sorry. <laughs> so what advice would you give to anyone thinking about going to a yoga class for the first time? You know, they might be a wee bit apprehensive or, you know, is it for me, etc. Yeah, I would say come along. Um, the p- transformative power of yoga, it goes beyond the physical. It goes into the mental. And there's been a lot spoken about mental health during this pandemic. Even learning how to breathe properly. This is something I didn't know about. We all breathe, right? We're not aware of it. Come along to a yoga class and even just learn how to breathe. If you take anything away from it, that in itself will be transformative and maybe life-changing and help you manage your mental health um, yeah. more effectively. No, definitely. And, you know, you, you touched on that, that point. So um, mental health, it's a very big aspect of daily life now. So in your own, you know, you, you've probably answered the question there, sort of. But mental health, um, in your own opinion, where, where does it sit with exercise and activities? They are intrinsically linked. Your mental health will suffer if you do not move your body. We are higher order animals and we're not meant to sit on our backsides, shortening our um, muscles, our quads, tightening up our hips, watching yeah. Netflix or sitting on social media. We need to be moving our bodies. And the more you move your body, the more you'll experience that endorphin rush. There is no better drug to improve your mental health than exercise. Ah, fantastic, Deborah. And it's been great to have you on my show. So if people want to find you on social media and get, get in touch regarding your yoga classes, where can they do that? So I'm terribly lazy when it comes to social media, but I do have a Facebook page called La Vida Yoga Glasgow.com, I think it is. Don't worry, um, I'll, fa- I'll, I'll put the link up. It's on Facebook and I, I'm terrible updating the classes, but I will put an update on there and yeah, you'll find me on there and come along if you can. No, Get fantastic. in touch. Um, just before we round up, have you got any questions for myself? Eh, aye, you need to get, do you need to tell me about these macros and micros? Right, I'll drop you a DM. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But no, it's been wonderful, Deborah. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.